thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Flourish with Elise Comerford, where we hear real stories from everyday people that will encourage and inspire you on your own health journey. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Flourish podcast, where we hear real healing stories from real people. And the real person we have with us today is one of my favorite people, and you all would have heard me talk about her before because... She has been mentoring me for a couple of years now at GAPS and I love her and her contribution to the GAPS community and it is Becky Plotner. Hi, Becky. Hi, sweetie. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. It's good to see you again, Elise. You are just really one of the top. You're, you're re- People are so lucky to be able to hear you. You really have your heart in this field. You are. You care for people, which is such a rare trait to have for a practitioner. You really are in the right field. You're in your gifting. And it's such a joy to watch you grow and learn. And honestly, you are top notch girl. You're doing a great job. Oh Keep Becky, you make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor to know you. Oh and you too so much so. <laughs> Thank you for your kind words. You really are gonna make me cry. <laughs> so today we're here to talk about you. Um, and it's something we have. Favorite topic. I know. Yes. Yay. <laughs> Everyone's favorite topic. Talking about themselves. Um, and it's I, it's interesting because I know some of your story that I've heard bits and pieces here and there, but it's not something we've ever really talked a lot about because we usually, when we're having sessions together, we're talking about me and my clients and gaps. And so I am actually really excited to hear your story in a bit more detail today. Well, it's, it's a long time ago, so I am sure that I'm forgetting buckets of information. But uh, it, it was a long time ago. My son, who is now almost 18, is the one who brought us to this area. He, When he was four and a half, he was autistic with Asperger's, ADHD, bipolar, hypoglycemic, and dyslexic. And he was my youngest, my second child. We homeschooled. And at the time, we lived in Miami Beach, and we had just moved there. So I had no family. I had nobody that even spoke English that I knew. I had no babysitters that I trusted. And, uh, And he was with me all the time. And when we started really getting into school, I realized something is seriously wrong. This is not just that he's a boy. Something is seriously wrong on our, our very first day where we tried to actually sit down and do work. It took me eight hours to get him to answer nine questions. And the questions were simple things like I'm wearing a a white shirt and I would, what color is this? And you know, falling off his chair and laughing and telling jokes and he can't sit still and Aww. stabbing me with his pencil and dropped his pencil on the floor. And that takes 15 minutes to sit back up again. And, you know, it's just, uh, it was really, really bad when we would go out in public. Uh, he, he would bolt like a rocket so fast that you would have to chase him with all of your speed and tears running down your face, praying the whole time, Lord, please help me catch him. I had to hold him so tightly that I thought I was going to break the bones in his hand. And if I didn't hold his hand that tightly, he would bolt 
he would slip out and run right in front of a taxi cab. And it was very, very dangerous and it wasn't safe. Um, almost everything in our house was broken and, and it wasn't because he was a bad boy. It was because he didn't, he was on drugs. He, he was drugged with food. He was drugged with food dyes. He was drugged with sugar and his body couldn't take it. And, and it was just worse and worse and worse. He always was sick. He always had warts. He always had something happening. If there was even a child in church that happened to have uh, a dripping nose or heaven help us, if we went to the beach and somebody was there on vacation and, and they had that green river of snot running down there. Oh, every single time he would get croup and he would immediately turn purple in the middle of the night, and bubble up the lips. And he would, he would catch everything that was out and about. And, um, he couldn't sit still. He couldn't behave. He couldn't mind. And, and I'm the kind of parent that, <laughs> you know, God always teaches you lessons. Well, this was my fault because I was getting taught a lesson, you know, those kids are not behaving because their parents are not doing a good enough job. So I would always, discipline him more and discipline him more. And he started stuttering. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh gosh, it's because you're being too hard on him. And I would back off disciplining him and he'd stop stuttering. And, and then, you know, he was going to hurt himself. He kept hitting the button on the TV or grabbing the knife off the counter. And and he was going to hurt himself and, you know, really cause the problem. And he was going to go to jail. I mean, there all I could think was this kid is not minding. He is going to be in jail. And I'm going to be visiting my son in juvie or in prison. I can't control this. This is, this is unacceptable behavior. Something is wrong here. And so I started disciplining him again and he started stuttering again. And and I was just crying out to the Lord to help me. What is going on here? We were going from doctor to doctor, to specialist, to specialist. And that was at a time when copays were $25 a visit. One summer, they kept sending us to different specialists, to different doctors, to different specialists. We spent uh, $750 just in co-pays going to different doctors, trying to find the answers. And nobody was able to help us get solutions. We got lots of labels, lots of titles, lots of speculations, lots of, lots of accusations. Uh, one of them told me that it was my fault, that I'm a bad parent, that it's my mothering skills, and oh, that's why he can't horrible. listen. And that I should consider uh, being a better parent. Uh, And then she turned around and she looked at him, four and a half years old, and she said, you should have your mom take you to McDonald's. You should have her go get you an ice cream or a milkshake or some fries and let her, you eat whatever you want. This doesn't have to do with food. You should tell your mom and make her take you to those places. Nowadays, you know, I'd be terrified and run out of there being fearful of CPS, you know, coming to take your kid. But it was, uh, it was bad, bad. It was really bad. I didn't trust him to go with anybody else because I didn't know anybody well enough. Uh, I didn't trust him to go with anybody else because I was embarrassed for them to see what the situation was. Um, and, and, and we couldn't control it. It was just really different than I thought parenting would be. And there, he, if you can name anything and it was a situation that he dealt with when he was an infant, 
when I was changing his diapers as an infant, he had hemorrhoids starting. He, he was constipated his whole entire life. Like I said, he had chronic croup. He had croup, I think it was 42 times when he was between the ages of uh, three and a half and five. Oh my he, he had uh, a runny nose that, and, and around his anus. It was fire red. So whenever he had a runny nose, it would burn his skin. And the, the one doctor told me, oh, it's your fault. You're not changing his diaper fast enough or you're not wiping his nose fast enough. And I had 17 boxes of tissues around my house because clearly I'm not a good mom. I need more tissues to wipe his nose faster because I, mean, I wasn't even thinking. I was just trying to put out the fire all the time. And one day we were sitting there on the floor and we were playing cars. And, and as I looked up at him, just happened to be looking at him and he's playing cars the his nose starts to run and I reach over and grab the tissue that happened to be right next to me because I have 17 boxes of tissues in our three rooms of our apartment <laughs> grab the tissue and immediately wiped his nose and that little drip had made it halfway between his nostril and his upper lip and it burned his skin I watched it burning his skin as it was running down and, and he had a half burn line from where the drip was for a good solid three weeks after that happened. Well, now I know much better. And I understand that the pathogens that are in your body are very accurate and they burn. They're caustic and they burn your skin. It's not because I was a bad mom. It was because he had this overload of toxins and pathogens in his body. And uh, we all started eating like he was eating. We had no help. We gaps was not known at the time. And, uh, the book had come out a few years prior, but nobody knew about it yet. It was still very young. And, um, we were just desperate and we kept praying and praying, Lord, help us find out what is causing this. What is the problem? What's the, what's the source? And you know, there's, there's so many times in our lives that we pray that we never got an answer. Or the answer came three years later, but on this issue, every time that I prayed, I got the answer that day or immediately after I prayed. And it still gives me chill bumps just thinking about it. It was every single time what's causing his behavior. Sometimes I could tell he was there. He was lucid. And other times he was just ballistic, totally uncontrollable couldn't wear clothes because he couldn't have the tags on him. You name it. Bloody noses that looked like CSI crime scenes. I, I had to wash the toilet. I'm not kidding you. At least eight times every single day. I remember one day I just flopped down in bed and did the math. I had washed the toilet 900 times in the previous spans of months because it just, it, it just couldn't control things. And, and what it came down to after all this prayer and studying and looking at him, whenever he would eat food, he would either be better or he would change. And I would notice that because we homeschooled. So he would eat breakfast and then we'd do school and we'd eat lunch and then we'd do school. And then we would be out for the, you know, we'd go outside because he needed to be out. I couldn't keep containing him in the, the box. And, um, I could tell there was a difference where sometimes he was better than other times. So I knew 
there was a pattern. So I kept taking notes on everything and writing it all down and putting them on pieces of paper on the insides of our kitchen cabinets. And he can't have wheat. He can't have more than uh, 14 grams of sugar in one setting. He can't have more than, you know, it was all of these different lists. Can't have red dye number 40. Can't have blue dye number seven. You know, all these things that he couldn't have that he'd always have a reaction afterwards. And sure enough, it came down to real food. If it was food in the form that God made the food and we cooked it fresh and he ate it, he could eat it every time. And it wasn't causing him a problem. He was a calmer, more controlled. He could sit, he could listen, he could do things. There were still things that he struggled with. He, it took him longer to read. It took him longer to uh, he, being dyslexic. It took, some, took him walk, longer to write some things. But overall, he really lost all of his diagnoses within the majority within the first year. From there on out, there were little things that were still sticking around and we just handled bit by bit. But today, you know, looking back, we were doing full gaps, not knowing that we were doing full gaps. Um, because we didn't want him to feel different or weird, we started eating the way that he was eating. So of course my husband going to work would, he would go out to breakfast with an office meeting or lunch with the guys from work and he would eat whatever else was there. Or my other son, if he went to play at a friend's house, he had no restrictions or guidelines, but, but I was with my son all the time because there was nobody else to care for him. And, and so I ate like him a hundred percent of the time. And sure enough, I started having issues and it was like dominoes that just started falling one by one by one. And I now realized previous to that, that I had had a lot of health issues. I had just kept brushing everything under the rug because oh, it's fine. You know how you do, you, you just, ah, nothing's yeah. wrong or somebody else has all the issues and you I'm fine. I'm fine. And you just, you wake up and you creak out of bed and try and get where you are and you just walk it out or tough up or, you know, don't complain. Nobody wants to hear you complaining. And, and, and sure enough, um, one of the first things that started happening for me after cleaning up our food was I had major issues with yeast and it was debilitating kind of yeast. And I, at this point was really done with doctors because it was not helping us at all. And they're telling me I'm the problem. And we were finding out that what was actually the real root sauce source of the problem. And, and so I was really done with doctors, but I was having such a very difficult time with the yeast that I had to go to the doctors. And I went to five different specialists in our area. And finally one lady said, uh, well, you know, we don't know what's wrong because I was testing negative for yeast infections. And she gave me prescriptions for Diflucan, which should take away yeast issues in one pill. And she ended up having me on one pill every single day for three months straight. And I would do a week on and two days off and then a week on and two days off. It didn't touch it. It didn't do a thing whatsoever. So she finally just took me in and she did a surgery with or an operation with three different things. She did a, a DNC and an ablation and a, uh, something else. I can't remember what it was. It was so many years ago. And, uh, and it came back, she thought, well, let's just reboot the computer and see if we can figure it all out. 
And um, turns out that it actually came back positive for early stage cancer. So they ended up doing a hysterectomy. So that kind of was a, a blessing to find that early and um, and get it taken care of. But when I came out of the surgery, you know, they, they give you a lot of antibiotics because you're in surgery and they blow you up with all the gas so they can see what they're doing. And she told me she came to my bed after the surgery and she said, you've got to empty that bowel. You've got to get that stuff out of that bowel. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about because I thought it was normal to move your bowels once every 10, 15 days. I didn't know that it was not normal. Nobody had ever told me. And, um, (laughs) that was really funny. And I feel like what what an idiot am I? But you know, I was talking to a girlfriend not too long ago. She's a nurse and she doesn't have a belly button and she didn't figure it out until she, after she had had kids, she, she, she thought everybody's belly, she had a belly button that she could stick a Q-tip in and pull her food out of her intestines. She, she'd like pull tuna out and she'd sit there in the bathtub and just clean her belly button out of all the dirt. And she even asked her mom when she was a kid, mom, does everybody have dirt in their belly button like this? And they, they pull like tuna out of their belly button. Their mom was like, yeah, everybody has dirt in their belly button. And she didn't know until she was in nursing school that when he was describing the umbilical hernia and the umbilical cord and the belly button, she was like, and he described this situation where you don't have a belly button. And she was just like, Oh, that's me. My umbilical, it it never healed up and I'm pulling food out of my, so now I don't feel like such an idiot. She was a very intelligent woman and she didn't have a belly button. And that's the thing is we don't know what we don't know. I thought, I thought constipation and I always say that too. Well, I thought constipation and diarrhea was normal until I was about 15 and the doctor said, actually, finally I was asked, what are your stools like? And I told them and my mum was like, really, you've never told me that. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I just thought that was normal to just be running to the bathroom and barely making it most of the time. <laughs> if you don't know any different, you just don't know any different. Yeah. Right. And then you parent differently because you know differently, but you know, we all make mistakes and we don't have the, the open chats and talks with our kids like that. Like they used to, Mm. it's taboo to talk about that stuff. So I was a mess after that surgery things, the yeast was even worse after the surgery and they weren't helping me at all. And the medicine, they were, they were, I was getting every side effect from the medicine, every single side effect from the medicine, which I know now is just leaky gut, but I was desperate. So what I did was I stopped eating food because when you have a yeast infection, you eat yogurt or acidophilus. So I went to the store and bought like five different supplements of acidophilus. I bought milk and I bought yogurt and I learned how to make my own yogurt, not because I knew this is the GAPS way of making yogurt and it's better for you, but because I'm Polish and that's cheaper to make your own yogurt. So I was making a gallon of yogurt every day and that's all that I would eat. So I stopped eating food. I was so desperate with this yeast issue that that's all I ate for a whole month was just homemade yogurt, desperate to get rid of the yeast. And then I found out about milk kefir And so I ordered some kefir grains from the caucuses and the next month, all I ate was milk kefir. (laughs) And then the next month I added in salmon and salad and held there and then gradually kept adding in more foods. But what I was doing was adding in these very strong probiotic foods without knowing it. And that's what did it for me because the beneficial strains, as we know, 
drown out the pathogenic strains. And I think that's really what saved me from that huge downward spiral. And things started working, but what happened is, as you know, when you start peeling away the layers of the onion, the stuff that was there that you didn't know was there starts to just expose itself. So I was on full gaps for probably about four years and getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker because all these things were rising up. And mind you, I didn't have any problems before gaps because I was just very headstrong. And whenever I had an issue, I would just ignore it and move on. And my body would bury it deep inside and go on forward and forward and forward. Well, after all that time frame, you know, here I was and, and on full gaps with all the probiotic foods, I realized, Oh, I had fibromyalgia. And then I walked away from fibromyalgia because of, of gaps and, you know, doctor's visits that I was so, I mean, it, I had to be on my deathbed to even go to the doctor. So now, you know, looking back, I walked away from the fibromyalgia from POTS, which is where when you stand up, you get dizzy and you actually pass out. The first time that happened, I was 16 years old and, um, the, it had happened, you know, right before we started having my son get all these labels put on him where he would wake up in the middle of the night with a bloody nose. We'd run to take care of him and my husband ran with me that night to take care of him, and I passed out right there on the floor. <laughs> it's what stopped my son's group that night, believe it or not, is what happened to mommy? <laughs> my husband now has this child who's not breathing and a wife laying on the oh floor. Oh, my goodness. He's, he's like, I don't know. I just kept on taking care of whatever he was taking care of with my son. But I was, uh, I was diagnosed with um, Hashimoto's, with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome was stage two spinal degeneration. It turns out that I was a competitive swimmer growing up my whole entire life. And I had my first bout of back problems when I was uh, 16 and I was a distance swimmer. So I would compete in the mile and in the five mile and, um, and swimming for that long and training that hard for that long, you tend to lose form and you cause some kind of a sublocation in your spine. And whenever it's out of alignment, essentially your body will try and attack what's not supposed to be there. So you, you get misshapen, eaten vertebrae and the, the connective tissue between. So it ended up being stage two spinal degeneration, which is almost gone now, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I had stage four adrenal fatigue and that happened because in the course of all of this, as I kept getting sicker, I had an amalgam filling in a tooth that cracked and the dentist that I was going to, I didn't know there was a difference between a biological holistic dentist in comparison to a regular standard dentist. And, uh, he just drilled it out. I just drilled out my amalgam filling and bits of amalgam. I felt a piece go shooting down my throat. When I swished to spit it out, I felt other pieces that I swallowed. Um, after on the ride home, I felt pieces that I was swallowing and he just kept saying, it's going to be okay. It's not a problem. It's okay. No big deal. And, uh, and after that, I just got horrifically sick and ended up having the stage for adrenal fatigue from the heavy metals and my uh, Hashimoto's turned into hypothyroidism and it was not helpful for somebody who had leaky gut in any way, shape or form. 
And then, as you know, when you have um, a high level of metals in your body, then a lot of parasites start to develop. And that's when I got Lyme. I would go outside and try and sit outside to have lunch, have a little break. And the ticks would, they would like run towards me. Like every single time they would be running. We had just moved from Miami beach to Tennessee and, uh, sitting outside in a colder morning was so refreshing with a hot cup of coffee. It was just fantastic. And then one day I went out for lunch and came inside. I'd been outside to eat my lunch for three minutes and, and I felt a tick on my shoulder and I got creeped out because, you know, when you're, you know, this, when you're in the ocean and in swimming pools, you're so clean for so many years. And then you go and you experience bugs. You're like, Ugh. <laughs> so I'm like inside and jumped in the shower. Three other ticks fell out of my hair and another one was climbing on my back. That was five ticks in three minutes time. And then I started paying attention and being totally creeped out to go outside. Like I was a magnet. Like they were like a heat seeking missile, like coming towards me, you know? And I would go and I would sit on the little concrete stoop and be looking around me for ticks that were running towards me because it was happening every single time I would go outside. So now I understand after spending so much time with Dr. Natasha and, and all of my studies and knowing now that when you have such a high level of heavy metals in the body, there are different parasites, worms that eat up the metals. And when those specific parasites get to be a certain size, they have to have Bartonella and Babesia inside of them to live. So you will actually emit a smell out of your skin that will attract them to bite you so that you can balance that all out. So I had the Lyme disease. And like I said, it turned to it, Hashimoto's turned into hypothyroidism. Obviously, I had the heavy metal toxicity. Uh, one of the things that I really suffered from was the Helicobacter pylori. And that also started when I was 16 years old. Helicobacter pylori is a bacteria that uh, lives in your stomach. And whenever you're stressed, it comes out and becomes very active. Um, I had a very stressful home environment and I got my first ulcer when I was 16 and I got my second ulcer when I was 16. And then just got really good at suppressing things and taking antacid tablets thinking, well, that's all you do. That's what you do. And um, it just really flared so much, so greatly that it was a real chronic issue. But thank God it's been under control. But still to this day, you know, if I do a lot of gardening, which involves a lot of bending over to plant or bend over to weed, bend over, it will stir up the stomach acid and it will flare back up. Or if I'm around a person that causes me stress, it'll flare back up again. So, um, but that's under control now. The uh, one thing I suffered from greatly was carpal tunnel because of uh, the collagen deficiency in your body will cause that inflammation because of repetitive use. So the carpal tunnel was so bad that I had wrist bands, the braces for both wrists, and I couldn't type on my computer for more than about 30 minutes at a time before it would be pain was so bad it couldn't function. I had some pretty bad brain fog, and I don't know if that was pretty much uh, connected to the heavy metal toxicity or if it was because of an iodine deficiency for the Hashimoto's and the hypothyroidism, but it was really bad. Uh, I had tinnitus, and again, that started when I was a kid, and I think it started because of fluoroquinolone damage, where I would, uh, my mom was uh, in the medical community, so whenever somebody had a sniffle or an issue, she would immediately go to the one doctor that she knew that would prescribe 
whatever she needed. And half the time we didn't even have to go to the doctor. She would just call it in. And I was on uh, antibiotics my whole entire childhood. I was on tetracycline or different amoxicillin or different uh, fluoroquinolone antibiotics because there was an issue that had to be taken care of. Um, I did have foot fungus because of all of that antibiotics. I had eczema that popped out in many different areas of my body, on my eyelid, on my my leg. Uh, when I was in my young, young 30s, about 32, about 35% of my hair was solid gray. And it, it you can see what my gray looks like now. And it's, it's gone down in half, like all, all of this front lobe area was solid gray. So it has gone down. Obviously it was severe constipation. I had over 50 allergies that have gone away because of gaps. But again, we know now because that's leaky gut. That's what happens when you have leaky gut. The, the pathogens just leak right through into the bloodstream. And now your body is in a different state of overdrive, trying to overcome all of those other issues. Um, uh, I had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I had systemic candida, which thankfully the milk kefir and the fermented garlic brine and the fermented kraut juice subsided because it goes right into your bloodstream when you drink them as the brines. I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That was one of the last things that I tested positive for. And uh, it is still something that does reoccur. And I have to be very, very mindful. I will never come off of full gaps. I just can't. Every time I've tried, it causes the SIBO to reoccur back again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a real big problem. We had a, a house that we lived in that had mold in it, and we didn't know, and we had to move. When we originally moved from Ohio down to Florida, that was where the mold was, and we left everything behind. We uh, put in our car everything that we could pack in our car, and we just blindly drove down to where my husband had been offered a job and 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 set up a apartment with 600 square feet of living space for four of us and, and just started from scratch and buying everything off of resale shops to start brand new and leaving everything behind. We did have the ability a few years later to get some things shipped down that were still okay, that we could put in only things that we could put through the dishwasher or through the washing machine made it. So that was the only thing that we had that could have survived the situation with the mold. Um, But that helped a lot of chronic issues, but we had to work that out of our systems. But um, I had interstitial cystitis and I had celiac disease. When I was in college, I thought it was normal just to sit on the toilet and just poop blood streams like you had diarrhea. But um, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. Nobody told you these things. But um, I had rosacea. And, um, and I had arthritis and the thing is the doctors couldn't help any of it. The only thing that helped it all was food, just coming back to real food, the way God made it and the probiotic foods, the way he made it. So I was a very, very sick girl and, uh, I'm very, very much healthier now. And it's all my son's fault. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> He is 17 now, almost 18, and um, he is entering his senior year of high school. He's been homeschooled the whole time, which I'm so glad 
that we were able to do that because if he were in a school system, he would be a much different child having been disciplined differently. So I'm just very, very thankful. My other child, he would have thrived in a, a public school system, but not this one. And, um, he is starting college in his senior year. He's, he's waiting right now for them to get all of their paperwork in line. But the local college, we, as a homeschooler, you can dual enroll, which means that they can, in their junior year, in their senior year, they can go and take some classes at the local college. Well, we were, my husband took him to the college to find out how does he do this, even though we had another child who was already in college and had already done it. We wanted him to experience, and because it was my husband that took him, and and my son is is into things with his hands. He likes to do things with his hands, so like building and tearing things down. Uh, he he redid this office that I'm sitting wow. in. Have I ever given you a tour of the office here with the? So this used to be wood paneling from 1960s, and he tore down all the wood paneling and took, took it down to the skeleton, took out all the insulation, put in new insulation. Cause he didn't want, it used to be his room and he wanted to not hear anything from yeah. anybody else. This is our home office. And he put up new uh, drywall. Look what he did to the ceiling. He put, he put all of these Oak oh, boards wow. with, with all that character on all of that them. And covered the whole steel. He put that whole chandelier together. He did all the, crown molding and he did extensive molding around the window in three different colors. I can't show you cause the sun is shining right in and it would blind you, but there's three different colors on the windowsill. There's cherry that he uh, sanded and planed. And then there's a, a light Oak that goes around and a white Oak that goes on top. And it, he just, he's really, really good with his hands. So he wants to become an electrician and and because of the program here in our local college, he can also do HVAC and um, welding. So when they were walking around the school and they happened to run into this one professor who does one of those programs, and as they were talking to him walking around the college, he started uh, discussing everything. They got so excited with how how my son could handle himself and talk as an adult and and deliver. And you can just tell he's got a kind heart and a good spirit. And you just, you can just, you know, you you can just tell somebody who's just somebody you kind of want to help and be around. And and the guy said, well, let's make you a program. And turns out he's going to be the first kid in high school. He's going to get his electrician certification and graduate from high school as an electrician. And then they're going to put him right into the other program so he's just waiting for them to finalize the paperwork. He actually should be able to start this in the next three, four days. Wow. Where he's gonna so he's gonna finish up his senior year and start his first two years of college at the same time and get all that done. So it's a it's an exciting position to be in because I'm not visiting him in jail. Yeah. And he does go work with power tools all by himself and with a chainsaw chopping down tree. He'll just come in and say, Hey mom, I'm gonna go chop down some trees and we, we got him those uh, chainsaw chaps. So he doesn't yeah. accidentally, <laughs> you know, slip and take, take off his kneecap. Cause I can't fix that, you know, yeah. so, <laughs> like, that we have to go to the doctor for. So he's just very trustworthy. I never think twice about anything he's doing. I just, he's got it. I know he's got it. Uh, granted, I do have the herbs 
I have a jar of yarrow yeah. out of in my, my bathroom closet. So if he ever comes up the stairs with the finger missing and held her finger in his hand, going, Mom, I made a mistake. Some I rescue remedy. And we can rush him to the emergency room, you know. We're, we're prepared. But yeah. <laughs> oh, Becky, that's just amazing to hear from where you started to where he is now. At what point did you find gaps and realize that, oh, this is actually what we're doing? We had been on full gaps, not knowing it was full yeah. gaps for three years. Yeah. He, he had literally just the teeniest smattering of issues. You never would have known he had had any issues previously. Yeah. Um, and I would tell him, cause I would, you know, make food that he could take everywhere he was going to go. And if he went to a birthday party, I would make pizza if they were having pizza and make it look like their pizza. Yeah. I would even go get a pizza box from a neighbor and put it in the pizza box from a neighbor. Oh. So he looked like all the other kids and felt like all the other kids. And yeah. I would make cupcakes and have them in the freezer so he could take his own piece of cake to the birthday party. And he would always take his own food everywhere. And I remember one time I bent down when he started really getting smart to the idea that why is, why aren't the other kids being able to, why aren't they taking their food? Why do they just eat whatever's there? And I just bent down and I looked at him and I said, said, buddy, please don't make the other kids feel bad that they don't get to eat real food like you do. (laughs) (laughs) So I, uh, you know, I tried my best to do the right thing parenting wise. Yeah. But when, uh, when we had been on gaps about three years, I was talking to a mom in the soccer field and, and she goes, Oh, you do gaps. And that was the first I'd heard of it. (laughs) Do I? And I was like, I was like, what? Well, then we ended up moving up to Ohio and, and then somebody else mentioned it in Ohio. I'm like, oh yeah, you do gaps. And that was the local Weston A. Price gal when I would go to the meeting and I was like, oh my gosh, there's people that eat like us. There's people that eat like us. We have people. Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, oh yeah, you do gaps. And so I got the book and sure enough, I mean, I was so, I could not read that book fast enough. Yeah. I mean, that's such a dense, heavy book. You know, it you is. <laughs> read it and then like absorb a little bit and then read it and then absorb and you can't really just read through the whole thing and I was like I was like telling my husband all the time look what she found and she's naming why and, and like I kept I was so excited to see that there was somebody else that that was on the same page and and uh and so then I started at tightening up my meat stock because I was not getting better she had people that were doing really well clearly I was not doing something properly. I needed to study her stuff more and more and more. So I just dug in to everything that was article or a speaking engagement or anything that she had done. And, and I would read the book. Like, I mean, you know, I'm a hundred percent Polish. So third generation born in America. So I was making my chicken stock traditionally, but you know, I was putting celery in there and cabbage in there, not knowing that was two fibers at the time. Or Mm -hmm. I would also cook the bones again into bone broth or cook it too long into bone broth, not meat stock all the time. So, so I tightened up some stuff and and I did get sicker until I started doing all that stuff. And then I realized I am just going to start myself back from square one. I did stage one for a couple days and then I did stage two for a year. And even being on stage two for a year and I was really doing a lot of coffee enemas and getting a lot of toxicity out. That's where I really started getting out of the bed 
and functioning because there were it was over a year that I really wasn't getting out of bed very much. It was very limiting and um, and started getting better and then moved right into full gaps and stay there ever since. And now all the tools, the foods are all tools. If arthritis starts to flare again, well, I'll just go back to meat stock or if, you know, I just use all of the foods as they're meant to be for whatever reason that you have them. And that's a really good, I love that point because I know so many of my clients, they str- they kind of struggle to see how is this long-term? How can I do it all every single day? How can I do all the meat stocks, do all the ferments, juice, um, do all my detox baths, go out in the sunshine? You know, like it's like how do I get all the ducks in the row every day? And that's what I tend to say to them. I'm like, you don't have to do it every day. It really right. depends on where you are at and what's important at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of... I thought we were having such problems. We were trying to just find the answers. Nobody told me, oh, you'll just be on gaps for two years and then that's it. Thank God nobody told me that. Yeah. Because once I learned what was in the other quote unquote food that wasn't food and I realized, oh my word, I'm not going to eat that ever again. Who would put that in their body? You know, we're trick-or-treating and then this magazine comes out with this study in it that talks about in Europe, it's a felony to put red dye number, number 40 and blue dye number, number four and yellow dye number seven or whatever their numbers were. It's a felony to put those together in a food. And here we are trick-or-treating and I pull this out of their bag and I'm like, <laughs> meanwhile, the, the stuff we're trick-or-treating for, I'm going to buy later. Like you give me your bag of candy and I'm going to give you a ticket to a movie and you'll be able to go get a a good quality chocolate bar from the store. And, you know, and, and I'm like, well, look, that's a felony in Europe. That's a felony in Europe. And we're just eating this. Like it's nothing. And meanwhile, it doesn't taste the same way it tasted when I was a kid. It just tastes like chemicals. It's not even good. And then it would flare a yeast infection. So it's not even worth it. And, you know, thank God it was just us searching for food and what made us feel better instead of how do we get out of this as fast as we possibly can. Yeah. Because you know, what is it you're doing? Why, what is, what is the big whoop law about eating real food? It's, it's what your bodies are made to eat. So I'm very thankful. When I talk to my clients about coming off gaps and I say to people, I'm, I'm not, I'm not technically on gaps anymore, but to me, that's, I ferment sweet potatoes and I eat them (laughs) and I I ferment potato and I eat it. And once every six months I might eat a little bit of rice or, you know, I might have some maple syrup or some coconut sugar in a, in a dessert if I'm out and there's just the, you know, really good quality vegan type raw desserts that, that have that as a sweetener. You know, it's not, not really that huge a step to come off gaps. It's more heading towards that Western A price style where, you know, if you properly prepare your grains, there can be those those other grains and vegetables. Yeah, and that's my 80-20. Mm-hmm. And it's not even 80-20. It's more like 97-3 or 99-1. Yeah, probably mine too. <laughs> yeah, that's, I yeah. Will, that's Western A price and gaps. That's my 97-3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gaps all the way. I mean, it's just, it's the food. It's what works. It just works. Yeah, it does. And I'm, I'm so grateful to, to learn your story and what got you here because I, I know as part of the gaps community that your contribution to it 
it's just there's no words it's priceless how all the information you share if anyone's been on becky's website nourishingclot.com um the amount of blog posts in there the amount of information becky shares i think you've got like 20 something thousand subscribers to those posts of people that are really? just, yeah something <laughs> like that that are people that are just hanging on every word waiting for more information. And I know if something comes up and I've got a question, the first place I go is to your website and I search on your blog to go, Becky will have an answer. <laughs> Otherwise, well, I wait till I talk to you. <laughs> you, don't want to, you want to know why that all sourced originally is because I couldn't get out of bed and I was just looking for answers. And, you know, we, I had so much knowledge and information and something was different in the food world. So I just kept studying more and that's how I took notes. Yeah. And that's how I came back to it. And then, you know, when I realized, oh my gosh, you idiot, you're making your meat stock wrong. You're making bone broth. No wonder you're getting worse. So I'm like, surely somebody else is doing the same thing. And well, gosh, my brain fog is so bad. Let me put this down in a post so that I can come back and look it up in my recipe book so that I don't screw it up from here on out. And sure enough, so many people share how to make meat stock properly. And we don't, I don't know about you, but I, when I first started being a, a certified GAPS practitioner, almost everybody that came to me, first thing that we would do is, well, let's change your meat stock and start making it properly. Yeah. I don't see that anymore. Yeah. People are coming and they're making it properly now. Yeah, so. it's rare I see it now. But yeah. in, in Australia, I do still see it because bone broth was just so popularized. It became such a fad. Um, yeah. that, yeah, it would just be people that had kind of jumped on that fat and then we just guide them over to the meat stocks. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe in all, all fairness, it might be the better way because in my situation, if I had originally known about gaps and jumped right into gaps, I would have been screwed because you can't go on intro in that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. You have to be on full gaps for a few years to get some of the toxicity out before you can handle intro so it was all completely perfect timing perfect timing yeah yeah and it was the same for me too i i found i I kind of started eating full gaps ish in my 20s just out of going well everything makes me feel sick i'm just gonna eat things that are real so it wasn't it wasn't gaps i still ate potato and things like that i was like if it comes out of the ground or for an animal i'm just gonna eat that and then maybe i'll feel better and i did and then yeah, went down yeah. the whole food, then high fat, low carb, paleo, started fermenting bone broths, and then gaps. So yeah, same. I'd had years of changing my diet before yeah. doing intro. So that's what I've been encouraging people to do as well. It's it's a real shock on the body to just yeah. jump straight into intro. Which makes us see how bad that quote unquote food actually yeah, the foodish items that we're putting in our bodies, how bad they really are. Yeah. Absolutely. And now if I do intro, there's not a single symptom. And that's where I explain I love telling people that and same for my son. It's like it's not gaps that makes you sick. It's what's going on in your body that makes you sick. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And we just got to get the toxicity out and boom. Yeah. And now my kids, for years, my kids don't get sick. My family members don't get sick. Everybody else around us, they drop like flies and I run around and take them all kraut juice. Yeah. but it works but thank you so much for doing what you're doing and for sharing people's stories you're making a difference it is so difficult to be sick 
and not being able to think clearly and having somebody like you who is helping other people is such an asset. So thank you for doing what you're doing. You really are one of the best. Thank you, Becky. I'm honored to be working with you. And me with you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today, Becky. I know that this one is going to help a lot of people. Um, And that's what this podcast is all about. I've had such good feedback so far. People are loving hearing the stories. So I know this is going to be a good one. Are the majority of your folks GAPS people? Majority, yes. Yeah. So did you see that the book came out? The gap stage, it's right here. Yes, gap. gap well, I know I need it in the flesh. I've got the I've got the did you get, Kindle version. Did you get one that has the info on the back? There were some that they misprinted in the very first I ride. Haven't, I haven't got that one yet. I've only got the Kindle they, version. Oh, okay, okay. Because some of the, the soft copies came out and they didn't have anything on the back, back cover. And then somebody sent me a message and goes, you know, that'd be the perfect place to put like a description about you and, <laughs> and some people's information and a picture about you. I'm like, it is there. What's your, she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, uh, and then the, the commercial, commercial or food probiotics versus commercial probiotics just came out in soft copy. So I'm waiting on that one to, it's shipped. All right. Yesterday. I'm going to have to, I've got the Kindle so. version, but I need the soft copy. Um, so yeah. I'm going to get that. So if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about there, it's Becky's new book, The Gap Stage by Stage with Recipes, which is fantastic. If you are doing gaps, you need to have that book. It's it it helps you if you're not, if you're sick and you just can't think. I couldn't think clearly. Yeah. And I couldn't remember squat. And then I would get frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. And I just go lay down. <laughs> <laughs> But all right, girl, I got to run. Thank okay. you so much for having Thank me. I you, love Becky. you. And we should do it again sometime. We will definitely. All right. Thanks, Becky. Bye. Bye everyone. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.